Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, this week, uh, we talk about how you should probably skip ahead to about 30 minutes into the episode, because that's when the substance happens. I'm just joking. We did talk a little bit about how Alex rudely insulted Broncos fans. We talked about um, the nature of blessing at the end of the episode. But in the core, we wrestled with this challenge of, are we supposed to be you know, are we supposed to be ourselves or are we supposed to be transformed? Which one is it and how do we know and when and all of these sorts of questions about our own identities. And I think it was an insightful conversation. You'll have to decide for yourself. Go live. What does that mean? I don't know. Yes, my best. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, no, no, Go no, no, live, no. man! Uh, Isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger wow. more like you know? We've got to get out of here. Is he not Austrian anymore? Is he like you know? Is he lost? Him? I don't know, man. Oh, yeah. I just don't. I have no idea why I start the show the way I start the show. <laughs> you ask me to be that calculated? Well, I start well, to figure out what we're talking about about twenty minutes in. If we haven't told you this, this is a tip and trick. This is a pro tip. For the Red Couch Theology Podcast. There's some people fast actually forward, use. Fast forward to about 20, 25 minutes in, and then we were like, we actually like say things of substance. I was I was actually chatting to a couple that both listened to the show separately, and uh, they knew who they are. And uh, she, she said, I love the banter at the start and listens to the whole thing. She says, I skipped 30 minutes in when you start talking about serious stuff. I'm like, there we go. Yeah, that's good to know. I mean, I, I, I and I totally appreciate that. This podcast. Maybe we should have two to. podcasts. Oh. One would be like Red Couch Theology Part One and Red Couch Theology Part Two. For those who like the banter, they can uh -huh. listen to Part One, and those or, who don't, or we could try doing one podcast. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Could we? Can we do that? <laughs> I think we'd have to rebrand again. Right. Yeah, again. Well, I um, I have podcasts I listen to that I love the conversation at the start and the people feel like friends. So if you feel that way about this, it's because you are friends. Indeed. And that's why we love to have conversations, whether it's about pickleball or about movies or about yeah. uh, all sorts of things. And um, we're not offended if you fast forward. Yeah. Um, because... We're just glad that there's anyone listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do we do this podcast mainly for us? I don't know. I think that's actually <laughs> sort of how it started. It, well, it was, it was kind of like we're doing what well, we, I think we even said that in our original intro was like, we have these conversations anywhere. We just, yes. anyway, we just turn on the camera Yeah. and wondered if anyone else wanted to listen. Mm. And turns out there's a few people that do. A few people so, that do. Although we Sorry haven't have been you. getting as many questions recently, um, which is fine. I guess maybe Christmas season, it's hard to like get mm. a ton of questions about peace and joy and all these sorts of things. Well, it's, it's also a little bit less, yeah. The, the... I'm trying to get some things going here. I think one, like when one of us isn't preaching, it, we probably feel like less relevant question. Like places to land if like the, the the landing of the questions places <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying but it feels less like that you would ask us questions about other people's sermons unless they're yeah. here and yeah the, the material as well you're right i think the sermon on the mount 
He's almost it almost demands questions. I, I'd it's love a to see the questions yeah. if we ever got to a parable series where the implication is almost like if you didn't ask questions, you did it wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah. what what that means. Um, so we'll be back we do into have that some space soon. Though. Oh, we do. But it was actually from the week that I preached. Oh, I think we have one. Huh. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Fast forward to twenty minutes. In. <laughs> no, Fast forward to twenty minutes. In. You went out last night. Not I in a, like going out in the sense of like I went know, to a bar crawl, potter. potted potter. Yes, like, maybe we should leave the English accents to me. I don't know. I think <laughs> I did it better than you. <laughs> Let's take a poll. <laughs> uh, they would uh, just to irritate me. People would vote for you. <laughs> yes, they would. <laughs> Like your Just parents like, might. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They're like, your accent's all ruined now. <laughs> Where do you get that awful American twang from? <laughs> oh, man. Legitimate questions Maybe I've been asked when going that, home. Right? It was my uncle. Oh, uncle, okay. Uh, I was like, God? You're... Why are you talking about God? <laughs> <laughs> Which no one in America says. Uh, au contraire. They definitely do. No one says spend Gad. Some, spend some time in the Midwest. No one says Gad, Gad ever. God, I've never heard that. Other God. than I've had... Two people from the UK tell Americans they say gad. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever heard say, gad. Where they say it's really hard to know yourself well. <sighs> it's certainly, you guys certainly don't have the god, god sound. You, you god. almost had a mutiny on Sunday. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the closest I thought that someone would rush the stage. <laughs> Do you so, want to tell the story? I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the story is, if you weren't there, we had some jets fly over, and I don't know how many people would have heard it. And I don't know why I pointed it out, actually. but it was pretty, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So some yeah. jets flew over, and I just happened to remark, maybe they were going to a Broncos game. But if they were, that wouldn't be a playoff game. <laughs> Oh gosh! And it was one of those things. My daughter said, "I." It felt like middle school, like that that you were gonna just get attacked by a mob of middle schoolers or something. That's what my daughter described it as. It was, I almost couldn't recover. It was just, it was just one of those things that I, I always try and think like, what's where's levity in a sermon? And it always, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but but congregations, communities of people always surprise me at what they find funny and what they don't. Yeah, um, what they laugh at, what they don't, and and sometimes there's things that you know. Uh, I, I was in a church once. The pastor tried to make a joke about adultery, and it just died flat. Like, yeah, because how can you really? And on one level, like, um, so sometimes I'll I'll have a, like a story that I think, oh man, this is going to be really fun for the community, and they're just like, mm, we don't get it. Like, yeah, you know, or or it's got a slight horrification, horror to it. Horrification? It's got a slight horror to it. Yeah, he doesn't um, speak English in any accent. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, like I told this one story once about um, about a a guy that comes running up to the the pastor at the end of a service, and he says, "Pastor, pastor, like this, this we've got to help this family, like that uh, I know of, like they they." It's a single mom. She got kicked out of her house. Like, the landlord's just merciless, like, won't take any, like, IOU or anything. It's just like, you know, you're out, and, and they've got no food. They've got nothing. Like, we've got to do something as a community. And the pastor says, yeah, okay, we've got a food bank. We'll make sure they get some food. We've got some benevolence. We'll make sure that, 
you know, we're going to pay a month's rent and make sure they've got a little extra to, to help them through this season. Uh, you know, this is what the church is for. And the, the man's like, oh man, yeah, I'm so glad. Like I knew the local church would step up. This is amazing. And as he walks away, the pastor says, can I just ask how you heard about them? And the man turns back and says, oh, I'm the landlord. Um, and then it's so like, it's supposed to tie into it, but it's kind of funny. But actually, every time I tell the story, people think it's so real. They just go, <gasps> I'm like, it's not, it's not a real story. And it actually has some humor to it. There's permission to laugh, but it, it always dies. Yeah. Um, uh, you didn't even laugh. And uh, no, you laugh, laugh at lots of things. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's funny. It's but it is more kind profound. of. It's, it makes it, you think. Yeah. But it doesn't sound funny to me for some reason. To me, it's kind of it's kind of like it's supposed to land in that space of like, you know, like a Monty Python-esque space. Yeah. Of, um, it sounds yeah. more like the you are the man situation when Nathan tells David. It is a little bit. Now, now, what I would say is just because of the type of humor in an English congregation, they that would, would laugh. get laughs. Like that would be funny. Yeah. Um, and they're still able to attach, oh, I shouldn't be like the landlord. And that's problematic for the church in general. Yeah. But, but I, I think that's a difference in the humor. So anyway, you never know. And then occasionally something happens that just actually genuinely is outrageous does make people laugh but as your your daughter so rightly points out in a kind of rush the stage should have way yeah yeah um, wait, wait i i think you've completely misread this moment i don't think it was funny i think you uh your life was at risk and it was not no nah, so i think you thought it was really <laughs> funny this is one of those moments like you know most comedians have this this wherewithal of telling a joke without laughing at their own joke it's usually the people that don't have that humor sense Alex thought this was the funniest thing ever, and everyone else is kind of like disgusted with him. Uh, Not see, everyone. What I would say is this: a lot of the people go were back like, and watch the tape. Rrr. There was genuine laughter at that moment. It was nervous laughter. <laughs> no, it was. Oh, yeah. darn it! I really. So I'm really glad good. you enjoyed yourself, but the rest of us were like. <laughs> and then I, I don't know if you heard me, but I yelled because your slide said something like "be new" or something uh -huh. like that. But you were, you were saying that that's a bad mentality, and I just yelled. Be new. <laughs> I didn't hear you. you. Yeah. I, I think I we should take a poll you. on that as well. I think I still think it was funny. Um, <laughs> it was a funny moment, but it was, uh, yeah. There was uh, people who were genuinely sad. Uh, well, that that's true. <laughs> and that, that may be, you know, that's an intro. We should do a whole series on how we hold sports. I, I, have, I have so many problems with the way I hold sports in general. Um, like I, I was watching a, a, an English soccer game the other day and my team were, were, were up 2-0 or 2-0. English language and they lost three two and I, I just I, I was so mad for the next two hours yeah I said to Laura I hate that I feel this way but I do I'm like Ugh. yeah Ugh. that's that was my experience more last year with the mm. Broncos okay because it was the first year Russell Wilson was in and I was yeah, like yeah, finally we fixed the main issue and then they were like worse than ever yeah and it was like such a pendulum swing of expectations that I was just like, I sort of like just moped around for the whole season. Yeah. Um, and I was like, why is this affecting me? I don't care that much. So I don't I, ever watch a game live because I'm a pastor. I don't like yeah. all these things. Wait, hold on a second. Most of the games are at two o'clock in the afternoon. I, yeah. Well, all right. Let me put it this way. I don't ever watch a game live because I'm a pastor and I'm a, a father of three girls mm, who don't care so yeah. i still don't watch it live i think you can win them over to be honest i know lots of i was chatting to someone the other day about oh, i was jessica rust yeah our co I've, I've tried i think you need to not give up 
Yeah. But but I the the reason I have no fun of making fun of Broncos fans is uh is simply this. I'm a Lions fan. I've suffered more than they will ever suffer. Like no one feels sorry for Broncos fans. Like we just don't. You guys have a Super Bowl in the last ten years. You you've had like three of the great quarterbacks in history. Like there's no sympathy for Broncos fans. Yeah. Like try being a Lions fan. I my first season as a Lions fan, we went 0 and 16. People were going to the stadium with bags on their head. Ford had to buy tickets and give them away so that the games were shown live on TV. Like that's a, that's a level of 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 awfulness that you guys will never appreciate. Well, yeah, that's fair. So I I, I but I, it's a I there's, stand by there's my a way. greater there there's a greater sadness when you have a team that is good that is also playing horribly. And the difference between that and Lions fans is they just didn't ever have a team that was good. Wait, wait, so you're saying deferred hope is worse than no hope? Yes. Disagree. Um, and and, and so, I, <laughs> so I stand by my glorying in the moment where the Lions have a home playoff game for the first time since the 90s, which is a big deal. It is. And won a division for the first time. In like 30 years. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's where we were. And that was the moment. This is turning into a pickleball conversation. <laughs> um, we're 12 minutes in and we have talked about sports and Harry Potter and I don't even know what. So the, the beauty of, of, so this week was, was to me fascinating uh, and a sermon level. It felt to me, it's one of those sermons where I think you kind of like, you always wrestle with God. What do you want for this community from this message outside of jokes about their favorite sport team? And um, it felt so like basic, you, you know, re really coming down to these two tensions of society that I do feel like a, a, a prevalent, like this whole, like reinvent yourself. Self-help books are now like half of Christian bookstores. Yeah. Um, even though some weird books land in self-help. And then also this, like this authenticity drive of like, Hey, be yourself. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I've, I've got this friend who is, he, he's felt like a woman trapped in a man's body since he was 11. Oh, no, earlier than that. I remember, like, us being eight and him dressing up and, and saying he felt like he was, he was female. He's miserable. His life is, like, it's empty. It's, he was married, his wife left. Doesn't see his kids anymore, his kids left with his wife. Like, he is not a happy person. And every time he posts a picture of himself wearing, like, women's pants or wearing a wig everyone online like all his other facebook friends are like so proud of you you look gorgeous like you 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 do you and yeah. I, I don't want to make this about the the, the transgender mo movement or uh, particularly but but just like i'm talking about the horror of a whole society saying to a guy who's clearly miserable like oh yeah look at you you yeah just be you I'm like that doesn't seem to be working very well for him yeah, so I so I thought your intro was so yeah, I mean you were just making the comment that your sermon felt basic or whatever. Okay, that's fine. But I actually think your intro was really really insightful and like 
drew us in really, really well, because there is this tension that maybe you articulated in a way that not a lot of people had recently for folks. There's that. Um, and you sort of built it up for a while yeah. and you expanded both the ideas like society's telling you to be beautiful, to be whatever, to be different than you are now, be stronger, yeah. be more fit, be make more money that like this, all the marketing of a capitalist culture mm -hmm. says, keep up with the Joneses, be more kind and more reckless, be more like, be more, 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 more. And like, we were feeling that. Yeah. And then you pivoted and said, oh, and then there's this whole other movement that yeah, says, yeah. just be yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and like, yeah. and you were like, oh yeah, that's why, that's why this culture feels so messy and confusing yeah. is, and so you articulated a th something that we felt. Yeah. And, and, and. So then the yeah, part yeah, that yeah. you so what part of it felt basic? Because I feel like that was actually a profound so, so, introduction. So yeah, it and it felt well like what is basic is it's kind of like what do you expect if you're coming back in the new year and you're coming to church and you maybe don't do it very often or you may be struggling with mental health. Like it felt like oh, and the answer to that is Jesus, which again is like is is true. Um, I think there's a temptation as a preacher to feel like you're supposed to be profound or have a great idea. That can be the feel like the pull of the church in the 21st century. And yet it really felt like the answer was Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Oh, and by the way, he also loves to transform you like, like that, like felt like at its core, the, 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 the center of the message, like your identity and newness are both found in who Jesus is and he loves you. And yet he also wants to transform you. Like we've, we've phrased it before, like, like that song that we both love, your love's too good to leave me here. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it was like, it, it felt like this thing that we should all know, especially if we've been around church for a while and have been around South for a while. And yet you're also aware, yeah, there's lots of things we should all know and we don't always know them very well at all. Yeah, so you your sort of um, big idea. I won't be able to say it exactly the way you said it, but your big idea was something along the the lines. So yeah, it was. Well, it was. Uh, I, yeah, I can just say it. it was like it was who you are and what you are is really defined by whose you are. Okay, well, yeah. I so maybe I picked up on one but of the then, other slides that you yeah. described it. Another way you Danger said it was essentially was essentially that. Um, be different uh -huh. and be yourself. Uh -huh. The answer inside of Christianity is yes to both. Yes. And it's both found in Christ. So yeah, whether you're trying to be yourself or be transformed. And so, the is in Christ. so here's my question. Um, so maybe <laughs> I, I did find myself when you made that statement, doubting i'm like one of them kind of has to win or all the terms need to be redefined okay and like, so like, defend so it a little bit more like you did some on sunday but i was like so so i, I, I think it felt it felt weird to say this is toxic be different mm -hmm. This is toxic. Be yourself. Mm -hmm. By the way, in Christ, you get to ask both questions. And I was like, that's what culture's doing. Culture says be different. And I said that. I mean, that's what I, I said, right? Yeah, I said, I said I know. that. And so yeah. then the that one slide kind of was like, wait, is he saying that Christianity is saying yes to both? Yeah. 
It is. And so then I then then I was like wrestling a little bit. So, so make a yeah, case yeah, yeah, for yeah. it. Uh, so so what I would say is that society says be you in terms of your peripheralness. Like it doesn't have the ability and we don't have the ability to say like what the core is to ourselves because it changes. Like I even said that, like, like, you know, like 18 year old me would be horrified that or 17 year old me more accurately because I had a real Jesus moment before I turned 18. But 17 year old me would be horrified that I thought that sitting in prayer and journaling was a good way to enter a new year. Yeah. Like getting wasted was a good way to enter a new year. Yeah. So like if you'd have asked me what being myself was as a 17 year old, well, it would have been a whole bunch of things that that 40 year old me would not agree with. Um, okay. So, yeah. so it's like what I think scripture says and, and by extension, what Jesus says about us is there is a core to you that is made with particular personalities. That's what C.S. Lewis points out so brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like God loves to see us surrender our wills to him, but to lose our personalities and particular way of thinking about things for anything else is almost a heartbreak to him because he made us as distinct beings. And so actually, like, there's a strength to that. In, in, I think in the same, same letter, in the screw tape letters, he says, you know, I've, I've known a man give up social ambition just because he likes eating liver and onions, and that's not the done thing in society. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's found a, a weird quirk to himself that actually not letting go of that is actually a, a good thing in some ways. Yeah. And so I think that on the one hand, Jesus says to us, there's a whole mess of stuff around who we are that is, is, is broken and warped, but it's like inside I made you in my image and I gave you a personality and I gave it to you for a reason. It's valuable. You're valuable. And I do think there's a healthy way of doing that. Like like the the message of society that says be yourself, that really means almost something like do what you want. Nobody yeah. can tell you what to do is even different from, I, I actually nearly referenced Mr. Rogers um, during the summer. I had a whole bunch of stuff that I cut, which is part of why we do this show. But Mr. Rogers, like his, his, his ability to, to look at a kid through a screen and say, I like you, like you, you are special. Mm-hmm. You are valuable. Um, just the way you are. Like for, for kids to hear that was a huge deal. And, and somewhere it seems like Jesus is able to do that with people. I mean, I don't think it's original to Mr. Rogers. I think he learns it from Jesus. He's able to take someone like Peter and say, Peter, you, you are on this rock. And Peter's, Peter blows it multiple times. Yeah. Both pre-crucifixion, post-resurrection, into the church age. Yeah. Okay, but, but Jesus can still look at Peter and say, "Peter, you are loved. Um, you are valuable as you are, so, and I'm going to change you." So maybe let me synthesize sort of how I process that statement. And again, that wasn't like the only thing you said. And I, I yeah, that illustration that you, I remember you talking about that illustration about eighteen year old you versus the four year old mm-hmm. you. And there's like our perceptions of the real us are skewed mm-hmm. um and so you're calling out the real yeah you not yeah. the maybe instant current moment yeah 
what's in vogue how do i feel yes. at any given second me yeah um so maybe my my uh pushback or question mark would be it is christianity saying um yes to be new and yes to be you in christ or is it saying um only yes to being the real you which is the transformation anyway because what it means is the the real you in order to get to the destination of the real you you have to slough off the fake you and that's the only transformation that needs to happen no i disagree huh no no i i think there is a personality core that is is god made that still remains I don't think I don't think that like the some like loves and passions that you have pre-transformation that aren't bad. They're, they're not about bad or good. They're just they're just quirks of personality to believe that nothing. But that would be remains. part of the real you. It is the real you. And it, and it can be there in people before they know Jesus. Some people are very good at maintaining the real them in some ways. Like they they their their passion for country cricket or their passion for interior design and beauty their passion for the outdoors their passion for animals or what like this personality cores that are i, th I think that, that i think are still valuable leadership as a gift like it can be warped yeah but it's still you yeah but that's what so i don't know what that's a disagreement because if that's part of the real you then I feel like we're saying you so many times it's going to be hard to follow the podcast. Yeah. But if that's part of the real you, then that's not something that needs to be transformed. Absolutely. Yeah. So what what I'm saying is maybe maybe Christianity is maybe it's not asking you or saying yes, be transformed and yes, be you. It's just saying be the real you, and that's by proxy is is transformative. Because it means sloughing off the fake you. Yeah, I, I, yes. Is that just a different way of saying it? Potentially. I, I, you're always trying to look for those, like, clinical ways of saying things. I think if I'd said that on Sunday morning, everyone would have gone, like, what is that? Mean? Yeah, but I think that the reason there was dissonance in me, because yeah. it was like the in the introduction, you painted pursuing pursuing be new is mm -hmm. bad and pursuing be you is bad. and but we should do both of those things inside of Christianity. Yeah. And so then that was where I was like, what if it's just the, the, the God designed you that is the target. I don't know. I know. I, th I, I mean, I, I agree with, I that. just got to thinking yeah. I, it got me wondering whether it's two, are there two agendas or is there one be transformed and be yourself? Or is it just be who God actually made you to be? And that is transformative. Because I it requires that you slough off the think, 17 year old Alex who wanted to be wasted at New Year's. You had to slough that off in order to be the real you, which is praying in the new year with beauty, beautiful intentionality. Yeah. So I, I think there's enough to me, there was enough distinction to say. So, so some aspects to transformation aren't dependent on personality. Like yeah. there's very clear transformational journeys that Jesus wants everyone who follows him to take. He wants them to become more loving. He wants them to be less driven by lust. 
He yeah. wants them to become more honest. He wants them to be less driven by a need to cover up by, by essentially by living a lie. So that's a transformation process that, that a lot of people try and enter into out of their own energy, outside of the church and in the church. So that's that that transformation drive that, that somewhere the world asks for those things. Some yeah. of the things are be more beautiful, like take care of your skin. But like, again, yeah. they have questionable value. They have some value, but not not ultimate value. Other things are distinctly personality that aren't for everybody. So, so my quirks of personality, there's no, there's no right or wrong in them. There's no need for you to, to chase after them. Um, and so I think there is a core to you, things that you love that it's important to hold on to. And society can tell you on one hand, yes, but on the other hand, change them. And that's the that's the tension I was huh. trying to get hold of. So, so, so you're, sense, yeah. you you might have this passion to, I don't know, wear Wellington boots. <laughs> um, like there's nothing good or bad about it, but you might get a message from society that says, no, 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 that's that's not appropriate. You might just love driving your old beat up car, and society keeps telling you, oh no, you got to get a new car now. Like you got to you got to drive this, you got to drive that. Yeah, And actually, like, there's this simple core and quirk of personality that I, and I think C.S. Lewis agrees, this is this is his driving point, is that, that the message can be like, no, give that up, don't be like that. Um, mm. Chase ambition, chase this. And actually know that it's okay to say, yeah, no, like, like, these are things that I love. They're not bad or good. They're just, they're just passions. I love sitting doing crosswords. Like, I love, like, I, I just love it. Um mm there's no need for me to let go of those and there's no no need for someone else following jesus to um to take them up yeah and there's and so there's there's passions about the way that you might serve that society might say yeah that's that's not for you society has this weird thing where it doesn't seem to think that like guys in their 60s should work in like kids ministry or in uh, like, you know, there's this almost like this, why do you want to be around kids? And well, no, like, no, if you're passionate about helping kids follow Jesus, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Like, hold on to who you are. There's there's this idea that in ministry, like, what's wrong with you? You don't want to be a lead pastor? Yeah. No, like, if you don't feel that call, don't do it. Like, be, 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 be where you're called to be. And so I think some things aren't about a transformational journey, like, Galatians does a great job of saying like these things are the 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 fruits of the spirit and these things are the works of the enemy. Move towards this list in yeah. partnership with God away from this list. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that is really just you being you. Um and if you like wearing um if you like wearing African style shirts on Sunday morning, you wear them. Like don't don't feel like God didn't make you yeah. With some quirks. Yeah. And and so so I think what I was so, trying to get a hold of is like some things are good to hold on to. They're not they're not about transformation. Okay, so then um how do you know? That is a great question. I have no what, idea. What parts of us need do we need to hold tight to? Well, I, th I think the list in Galatians is a good point, right? Like if the if the things are on the list 
then there are clearly things like envy and slander and all these weird little things that we kind of overlook. Like, so, so the list demands become more loving um, mm-hmm. and less full of hate. It, it demands that we become more full of joy and less full of whatever the corresponding antonym is. So I think those are the places where God asks us to be transformed. Hmm. Um, but, but like, there's the certain things that I think, depending on the societal age, become less popular or more popular. Like, like maybe it's 20 years ago, spending time in the garden as a guy was seen as less valuable. Um, like I'm just I'm trying to pull out an example there, but yeah. but but that's not a transformation thing. If you enjoy making things grow, like enter into that, enjoy making things grow. Um, yeah. Huh. And so I think that there is a kernel there that isn't about transformation. That that to believe that God doesn't like you, and some of the personality quirks He gave you, is a real shame. Is a real loss. Um. Huh. Yeah, it almost feels like there needs to be three categories rather than two. Maybe, right? Maybe, maybe most like, things don't fit well into two categories. Yeah, exactly. That there's like there's things that are evil that are that are yeah. signs of brokenness in the world yeah. that are in you that need to be sloughed off and transformed. Yeah, there are things that are innately inside the image of God that that need to be clung to. Uh huh. Um, and fought for and then there's things that are neutral mm-hmm. yeah. that can be held with an open hand um but given the situ- any given situation would probably need to be either taken up at a greater level or let go of at a greater level for the, yeah for a higher purpose like you may say you know oh i have a passion for whatever these boots you said someone would wear and then you find out they're made in a sweatshop and you're like that Absolutely. passion should be let go of, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And oh, I should, but I need to cling to the real me. Yes. No, actually. So, so, like, so that's why that's why I'm saying like it feels like those things can't be play, placed easily into the cling to category. Yes. They can. They should be held held in the open handed category of. Some I, sort. I think what I, what I, what I was trying to get to is that the, the the society has a way of like. <laughs> It has a way of almost like I think tacitly making fun of some things that people might just find just an enjoyable part of life. Like I had a friend that we used to call the Fad King. Like he was always like there was always something else he was into. It was actually just a quirk of his personality, unless he was blowing his family income, which he never did. There was nothing wrong with it, but he'd always be like one minute it was like you want to take up snowboarding? Like, let's go snowboarding. The next minute it was like, I just bought two go-karts. Like we're going to, we're going to start go-karting. The, ne- the next minute it was like, I'm back into ice hockey. Oh, the next minute it was like, no, I'm going to be a soccer player. Like it just, there was always different things. It was a quirk of his personality. And I think that, or, or it's a sign of someone who doesn't, isn't content. Potentially, They're constantly yeah. trying to find. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, but that's, I, th- I think now you, we're getting to, th- I think six I think dimensions can, and I'm like, my brain hurts. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think you can dangerously overanalyze some stuff. Which is why um, I'm asking the question, how do you know? Yeah. And is there a process that Jesus invites us into to determine what parts of me do I need to cling to and what parts of me do I need to let go of? Yeah. Um, And 
Yeah. And I think so I've yeah and and this is where I would say I've seen like um seen it get a little transformation is an interesting thing because there's clearly ways that God wants us to be transformed and then there's also ways that you can get so over focused on every decision you make. Uh, there was a guy uh, at seminary um with a friend of mine and he used to pray about what color underwear God used to want him to wear in the morning. Uh, and on one hand, is there anything wrong with that? Maybe not. But then also like, if that feels like this, this obligation and struggle, like sometimes the response is just pick a pair, son. God, God doesn't care. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, how could that matter? Um, so, so I think we can almost find ourselves in this grind of worrying about every single aspect and and the number and the reason I wanted to talk about the 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 yourself aspect is the number of Christians that I've met that believe God loves them but doesn't think He likes them. Um, and yet that Psalm hundred and thirty nine passage very clearly says, you know, He made you in your mother's womb, He knit you together, like He knows you, you're valuable. It's very Mister Rogers. Yeah, and I actually think that's important for people to hear occasionally. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think I nearly piggybacked on your passage, the that your some of what you said the week before. I nearly went back to Woody as a character because Woody, I think, doesn't really know who he is. That's almost the tension of lots of the the Toy Story series. Yeah, like he's he's a he's a, a guy that struggles with his identity a little bit and and questions his value. Um, he kind of gets pushed to a side in multiple movies. He gets pushed to a side, the side by Andy when Buzz comes along in Toy Story 3. He gets pushed to the side again when, when Bonnie's kind of like relegated, I know it's four, sorry, she's kind of relegated him to the, the closet. Um, like he, he quite often seems to wrestle with that. And, and I, th- I think we're not unlike that. We're, you know, he's very good at stating the value of like Andy states the value of him, but he's not very good about stating the value of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. How do we help people? How do we help people navigate that then? Like figuring out what things to cling to, what things not to cling to finding that, that actual identity, like what steps could someone take to unearth what God sees in them. So I, th- I think a, a, a healthy question to ask is what brings you joy? Um, I, I don't think that's a bad question for followers of Jesus to ask. Um, and, and there's some quirky, like uh, there's a lovely lady who comes to our church who, who adores uh, jigsaw puzzles. She's really good at them. Like, brilliant like she's putting order into things in this beautiful way that will probably have value somewhere but but i think if you if you find something that you love um and it doesn't get in the way of following jesus and it and again it brings you joy like yeah cherish that like there's some personality quirk there that is being met in that yeah and and, and sometimes like you you're able to put order into something on a table that you can't put or, and, and there's bigger, bigger things in play that you can't always put into order that don't always make sense. Yeah. Um, so it's almost anything I think can be used as an escape or as an obsession. Um, 
and then there's this whole list of things like and again back to back to that c.s lewis letter like he, he says like there's 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 a whole list of things that 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 we can do all day and god doesn't seem to mind at all um yeah and then that exact same activity for another person could be very toxic potentially because yeah. they're hiding yeah. from something or they're yeah. avoiding a task that god's called them to or they're numbing themselves. So, so I, point, I am, what my, I would say is this: I am super skeptical of this mo- movement that says. So, so I recognize as an Enneagram Seven, like it's my job to feel genuine, deep emotion. The movement that has said you should feel those things all the time, <laughs> at least like potentially without saying it, like just tacitly. I'm like, no, I don't agree. I don't, I don't see anything that says to me, you're supposed to feel like these, like specifically like deep emotions of sorrow or whatever, or grief. And that's supposed to be an ever present in your mind. I, I don't believe that. No, I, well, I don't know what movement that is. No, no, I've just, never heard like, of that movement. Like, like that. So, 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 so I, I say it could just be something I'm taking tacitly, but the suggestion that like, oh yeah, you're a seven, you love joy or you love like you try and avoid pain. You should feel pain. Well, yeah, there should be some times where I actually choose to observe the grief or choose to observe the sorrow. But the, that can counterintuitively just tell you, no, there should never be moments where you're not feeling deep emotions, where you're not like really wrestling with that. Like there are some things in life that are meant to be lighthearted and fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope no one would disagree with that. But um, so I'm not aware of of that movement as a like as what you would said would be a movement. I guess what I'm trying to say is like this whole series, the premise of the series is this um, has some connection to like this emotional yeah. intelligence, yeah, emotional yeah. awareness. And the, the it seems like the tiebreaker between uh-huh. whether an activity is healthy and vibrant and should be clung to or whether that same activity should be relinquished and transformed and made new mm-hmm. has to do with a capacity to understand the the deeper driving motives and emotions behind why the activity yes. exists so like one of the things i quote unquote love to do is i love to learn uh-huh. it's also my number one escape uh-huh. from from things that I'm trying to avoid things that are hard for me, like really hard thinking tasks or doing budgets or when I'm in a relational conflict and I just don't want to think about it anymore because I've whatever, what I oftentimes do is I start watching YouTube videos about quantum entanglement is watching YouTube videos about quantum entanglement bad. No, Mm -hmm. but in, when I turn it into something that is escaping an invitation into a deeper journey with God and saying, all right, what am I actually feeling right now? Then absolutely. It could, it could be just as bad as alcoholism potentially. Well, maybe, you know, there's scales of it that it it affects, it maybe affects less people potentially. Um, My point is it's, and part of the reason I run to these kinds of, things that I love is because I want my, my addictions. I want them to be palatable to society. Mm -hmm. I want, you know, 
learning about quantum entanglement actually makes me look good and it allows me to escape my actual emotions Mm. at the same time. So it's a win-win for me. Meanwhile, it's massively toxic to the progress that the spirit's inviting me into. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Like I see what I'm saying. So, so, no, I do, but I but, also feel. But I also feel like now we live in this, and this is kind of what I was trying to say. Like, and and probably didn't say well um, earlier. Like the word escape has now become like this big. It's become a really pejorative term. Yeah. So it's like no, it's a bad thing. And I, and I think actually, no, the timing of it is good or bad. Like, like one man's, what one man, person would term escape, another person would, would term relaxation or switch off. Like, is there ever a space to say, I'm going to do something that helps me switch off from the stress of life, from the, 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 the weight of carrying emotion, the weight of carrying other people's emotion? Uh, so, so I actually heard someone who's really successful the other day talk about how their activity that they picked was Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Because it actually required them to be so focused on what was happening that they couldn't continue to think about all of the things that they carried during the the week. Yep. It required this like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter into that. So, so I think there's a time where you might enter into something like that where the conversation needs to happen, the emotions need to be felt. And then there's other times where actually, no, the joy of being able to focus on something that you love and enter into it, surely that's a gift. Absolutely. So I think the timing is the thing. My question comes back around, how do you know? Yeah. And the answer I think has to be um, a deeper understanding of the inner workings of your own soul to be able to diagnose the driving motive behind that activity. So I've said it before. I've even said it in sermons. One of my favorite activities is playing disc golf. You um, talked about disc golf before. I really? don't remember that. Yeah. So, and, <laughs> and there, um, and it functions in the same way. Like it takes enough, yeah. enough mental ability. Cause there's so many variables at plays. There's the weight of the disc, the mold of the yeah. disc. There's the, the wind and wind mm-hmm. speeds and the wind direction and all these variables mm-hmm. that have to go into playing. Oh, yeah. it, it takes too much mental capacity for me to think about work or think about these other uh-huh. things. And I treat that as a spiritual practice that I cling to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helps me diagnose where my soul's actually at. If I start getting angry on the disc golf course, I know that's underneath Brilliant, the surface. Yeah. There's a deeper something uh-huh. because why would you ever be angry playing disc golf? You're walking in a field in beautiful Colorado throwing mm. plastic. I, I think like you might be angry because disc golf courses don't look as nice as golf courses. Yeah. Well, that's part of the fun of it. It's more it? beautiful to me to be uh, on some of these like mountainous courses. Anyway, so, yeah. um, so, but knowing like why I'm doing one versus the other and those sorts of things start to, to sit, to, help you determine whether an activity should be relinquished or, or taken up. Mm, yeah. And, and so. Cause I can totally imagine a day where a playing around of disc golf was unwise and not what Jesus wanted me to absolutely. do at that moment. And I, and I think, yes, the, the more in tune you are to the voice of the spirit who loves you, loves to see you experience joy and also has a plan and purpose for your life and wants to lead you in good intention into the spaces that, that God has for you. 
is actually key and, and learning again, like, like that CS Lewis quote to surrender to, um, surrender all things to God's will, but not surrender everything to man's will. Yes. Um, and so it might be that you have a, a thing of disc golf planned and God says, no, I want you to spend the day with your family. Yeah. Or the morning with your family. And it might be that there's times where God says, you, you need this space. Like this is good for your soul health. Yeah. Take and the having space. the emotional intelligence to be able to confidently in the presence of God with the, with the work of the spirit in your life, answer that question with confidence and uh -huh. peace. That's like the aim of a, a series like this yeah. is to say, there's like, you gotta, you gotta get to know yourself past that surface level to, uh, in, to honestly answer these questions. And that's not an easy task to do for no, most people, no, especially all. for a lot of guys. And that, and that way, like deciphering, one of the things we'll touch on this week is apparently from what I've read, and this is, this shows how like crazy varied neuroscience is. The estimates are that the average person has somewhere between 6,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. <laughs> like, and it really comes down to like how you define a thought. A thought yeah. yeah. But so, that's so that, almost as big a question as what is consciousness? Totally. Yeah. 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 It's like, yeah. What, what, <laughs> so, like, what classes is a thought like? But, but somewhere like, depending on how you define it, like 6,000 is the low, 60,000 is, is like the high. But where there is a little more consensus is like on percentages of those thoughts. So 75% of thoughts are negative thoughts, um, like worries or, you know, concerns or, uh, yeah, build your list. And then 10% of that list, that, that broader number, that 6,000 or 60,000 number, 10% are intrusive thoughts. Like thoughts that just feel like they came out of nowhere, or thoughts that almost feel like an attack or like a, like a struggle, like you know. And it might be like yeah, just yeah, walking down the street and being like, yeah, what if what if I what what if what if that dog just walked in front of the car? Um, yeah, you know those thoughts that would just like feel like a battle to to hold back on. Um, and so thought life in general is a huge part of, of emotional health. Yeah. How you deal with those thoughts, how you judge yourself based on your thoughts, mm -hmm. how you are able to recognize that, that it's common to humanity, not just a you thing. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff there that it's just hard to maintain at times. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for, for one, but, and especially if you describe yourself as an OCD person, OCD people reportedly struggle much more with intrusive thoughts. Yeah, uh, and battle much more with you know like just random attacks or random senses of like oh what about this what about that yeah um, so, so yeah it's as as we as we push into a little bit of that this week um, especially around like psych so so when you visit psychologists or counselors like there's always things that people want to talk about and the past that we'll get to this week is 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 a big topic yeah like, this thing that happened then oh this this childhood thing, this like it, it roots you backwards. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we do have one question. Yeah. To, to deal with, which is from a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. So uh, maybe we can cover it really briefly. Um, it's an awesome service. Uh, we didn't watch until Wednesday night uh, and thought talking about it much. Yeah. So uh, then it goes this, we are married 
Uh, we were married in the Taj Mahal, Jefferson Ooh. County Courthouse. Oh. <laughs> so we didn't get things like counseling or a blessing. Yeah. Uh, that are usually given in a church wedding. Mm -hmm. Are we missing out on something? I never thought about it until last night. Mm. So the message that I preached a few weeks ago, and it was a shorter message, and then we spent most of the time just blessing people, no. was about the power of words and the power of blessing. And I think it probably blipped on the radar because I even used the illustration of, of, of wedding. Yeah. Because I talked about our blessings have the ability to be what's called performative speech uh -huh. and performative speech is, is like when you're not just describing a reality, you're actually stating a new uh -huh. reality into existence. Like at a wedding when they say, I hereby pronounce you husband and wife. Uh -huh. um, so maybe that's where this comes from. Yeah. And so the question behind this is like, are we missing out on something because we didn't have a church wedding where we received that mm. quote unquote, I pronounce you husband and wife blessing. Yeah. What do you think? It's your sermon. Um, well, I didn't get a ton of time to go into details on what performative speech is. I, I hinted at it in the sense that um, the blessing in number six mm -hmm. all throughout the blessing that these priests were supposed to offer says, the Lord bless you, mm -hmm. the Lord do mm -hmm. this. So the power, mm -hmm. when God blesses, there's inevitable power. Mm -hmm. When God speaks, new realities yeah. take place. Yeah. When we speak blessing, we invoke God's power. Mm -hmm. And so um, the real question is whether God has blessed the marriage or not. Yeah. That's where the power lives. Yes. Um, and, 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 and then because there's tons of performative speech linguistically mm -hmm. that s changes the state of reality, but it's also not magical language. Mm. Like I knight you is another one, or I hereby pronounce that this store is open for business. Yes. That's performative speech. Yes. It's true. And it changes reality, but is it magical? Not at all. And also, and this is where we like, I think in the same way this week, you feel like, I think we had slightly different views on something. Like, I think we had slightly different views on that in terms of like, when is blessing calling out something that's already true and speaking truth over you? Yeah. As opposed to creating something. So, so the same example about a store being open, uh, it, it, it can be true regardless of whether it's said or not. So, so there's a way of saying that that says this store is open. Yeah. That isn't creative is a statement of fact. Um, yep. and, and so with blessing, that's always been an interesting thing to me around, especially around the numbers blessing. Because God has already told these people they are blessed. Like, like the, the union of a man and a woman, God has already blessed it. Um, and so the, the implicit statement to Adam and or the statement to Adam and Eve implicitly continues to every human being that enters into marriage. Yeah. Um, may you be blessed. May you multiply. May you all these different things. Yep. So, so the question is, is more when a priest or a pastor says in a wedding, when I say on Sunday morning, uh, may the blessing of father, son, and Holy spirit be on each of you now and always is the blessing not there. If I don't say it that week, or am I reminding a group of people 
that God has shaped a peculiar people for himself and has called them blessed. Yeah. The, the, there's like, uh, I think actually it's yes and. Um, yeah, I think that there is, um, it is a gift. So to, to get back to the question, it's a gift yeah. to have someone with a, that has, that God has identified with some, some measure of spiritual authority to bless you. Uh-huh. That is a gift, mm-hmm. but God is not res- constrained to the limitations of that in your marriage. God, mm-hmm. God has the capacity to bless a marriage that is in, um, in keeping with his heart mm-hmm. to expound blessing in your marriage, whether it was in a courthouse yes. or whether it was in a, a chapel with stained glass windows or whether it was in a strip mall church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those sorts of variables aren't, aren't where the, the power is at the power is always in the heart and the and the the words of God and, and absolutely and, and requires the person that's being prayed for to enter into it exactly. I mean that's the that's the so maybe element. that's where some of the difference might be is like someone would have some measure of spiritual authority who's prayed like when you give a benediction at the end mm-hmm. of a ser- service you prayed through this message you've asked for the spirit of God to speak to your heart and to deposit in your soul a word for this community and then you've thought through. Uh, like you joked about last week, most of the time you've thought through a benediction that connects with all these different mm-hmm. things. And there likely is a greater level of power and authority mm-hmm. that you're invoking into the yeah. space when you speak that benediction than the judge who mm-hmm. says, yep, you're married. Yep. Sign here. Yep. Um, just like there, there's like a re maybe not just like, uh, we don't have time to get in this into the sacraments, but there's a real presence at the at the table. Yeah, uh, when you take communion, there's something of substance that happens when you take communion that's different. Well, baptism is a great example, right? Like you you take a bath, hopefully somewhat regularly. Yeah, was that a baptism? No, no. Could it remind you of your baptism in some way? Potentially, sure. And so, but which one has thing. more actual power? in the world uh-huh so so that 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 like i love what you said about the proclamation element it's so interesting when you think about how marriage is stated if you go to a traditional church of england service the priest will say something and it's probably similar over here by the power invested in me by almighty god i pronounce you man and wife yep if you go to a courthouse they'll say by the power invested in me by, by the, the state, state of Colorado. Yep. If you go to Las Vegas, they'll say, by the power invested in me by the Las Vegas Gaming Commission or whatever it is. Like, like so, so I guess the question is, like, by whose nature are they doing that? Um, and then what elements? Now, what's the ir- irony is there is a power mm-hmm. in all of those entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because someone with some measure of authority, yeah. even... Even in a casino, mm-hmm. someone hired this person to perform a ceremony mm-hmm. and is paying them and yeah. is in, and and said that you have the right to make these sort of declarations. Uh-huh. Now, it is that like profound and beautiful uh-huh. and a great part of the story of your marriage you're going to tell that some casino yeah. person had authority to do that? No, but there was still a power invoked. But there was, and but- when the state does it, there's a power that's invoked because you get certain rights through marriage when it comes to like how you interact, how taxes are performed. So there is a power that the state has to, 
to offer to a, a couple. But in one sense, wouldn't you prefer to acknowledge yeah. and remind yourself and remind your family that the power that we actually sit under is the power of God? Sure. And and that that's what, like, you... you Without going, I mean, this could like yeah lead us to a huge tangent, which we don't have time for. Like, <laughs> like the latent power that God has placed in this universe, in terms of a union between man and woman, which doesn't happen when um, the priest says anything. It happens when the two have sex together. Like, I mean, like that's the scriptural language of that. Like, the two become one flesh in that moment, and that's why if you meet anyone who most of us know someone who says, yeah, I just can't get over this person. Like this guy, this girl, like number of counseling sessions I did when I worked with teenagers, uh, but with people that they, they had sex at like 16, 17. And that person's like their, 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 their struggle for the rest of their life, even though the relationship yeah. doesn't continue. You watch the animal world and they walk away from those kind of encounters without any guilt, without any sense of like, you know, no emotional attachment. And yet, for the most part, anyway. Um, and yet for human beings, there is this unity that comes in that moment that God has chosen to bless and chosen to say, based on that action, there's a union there that can't be broken, that is by nature blessed. Yeah. So, so I think I, what I would say is that anyone who's entered into that marriage um, based on that, yeah, God has said that that's a union that's blessed. Um now, is there wrong, anything wrong with asking someone to pray over your marriage and bless it? Never. I don't think there ever is. So. Yeah. So uh, how's that for an ambiguous answer? Are you missing out on something? Um, I think even the fact that you asked the question is is to say, maybe it would have been nice to have some other variables there. So in that sense, maybe. Yeah. But you also know that the that if you if you've submitted your marriage to to God the power of God is in that marriage in a way that is hard to even substantiate fully. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think your marriage is on sure foundations in the heart of God. Uh, if that's your concern. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I love it. Thanks guys. All right. Great. Bye. See you. Bye-bye.